Pack your bags, it's time to visit Las Vegas, America's capital for fun and entertainment. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Hello again and welcome to Vegas Never Sleeps. I'm Stephen Maggi. Today's show features food. First up, we'll take a look at a longtime favorite, an Italian legend in Vegas called Bootlegger's Italian Bistro, which was featured on Anthony Bourdain's show. We'll also feature a new genre, which blends Japanese and Mexican cuisines. The restaurant is called Chabrito, and we'll visit with its owner, Ken Aoki. Finally, you'll meet Las Vegas' favorite sports author, Robert Mish. Robert and I will discuss his book, Phenom, which takes a look at the rise of Bryce Harper, a Vegas-bred baseball superstar. All that and our weekly visit with our Las Vegas insider, Scott Robin, discussing what else, old-style dining, and a visit to the Casino Legends Hall of Fame, keeping on the same theme, discussing what else, dining. Well, when you come to Las Vegas, one of the things you want to see is the vintage days, you know, the Rat Pack eating, great food and so forth. Well, we've got a family here that just has an absolute incredible history. Bootlegger's Bistro is the restaurant name. It's been featured on Anthony Bourdain's show. Everybody that's been down here that knows about it tells everybody. But in case you haven't heard about it, you got to go and visit it. There's some great people. It's owned by Lorraine Hunt, who has been very involved in Nevada politics for years and years. And her very talented husband, Dennis Bono, who has his own radio show, goes nationwide. Uh, and it's one of those great old shows, kind of like what you heard with Merv Griffin, Mike Douglas, Johnny Carson, where they talk to people and they entertain. Just great stuff. Well, first of all, welcome. Lorraine Tell me a little bit about the history of this place, because it's got a lot of history. It certainly does have a lot of history, and oh, thank you for, for being here today, and welcome to the Bootlegger Italian Bistro. This is real Vegas. My family came to Vegas in 1943. My mother is a wonderful chef. She still is our executive chef today. She is 99 years young, and she's got amazing recipes. Comes to the, her restaurant about four days a week, oversees everything, personally trained all the cooks, and stays on top of the whole thing. She's unbelievable. Mama waited on and cooked for Howard Hughes and Bugsy Siegel, and she started all this, her and my dad, Al. Well, and growing up Italian, I can tell you, just you walk in the door and you smell that great smell. It reminded me of being a kid. And I remember watching the Bourdain show and thinking, now that's an Italian restaurant. You know, there's all this different stuff nowadays with this Nouveau stuff. Oh, yeah. This is the great stuff. So it's been around for a long time. They've continued the same tradition. What would people expect? It's a big place. Tell them what kind of things they can get on the menu that maybe they can't get in other places. Well, of course, you know, our old staple, the wonderful staple of lasagna. But it's Mama Maria's lasagna. She's been serving the same lasagna since about 1949. And it's never changed. It's very different and it's unique and we sell a lot of it. Then we have the classic uh, veal parmesan, gnocchis, manicottis, all the pasta dishes. And then a lot of uh, updated things too. So we have a menu that spans like from classic Italian to contemporary Italian. It's a big menu, Steaks lots of things. Chops. Steaks and chops, yeah. you bet, Dennis. And veg and gluten-free pastas and all gluten kinds of... Gluten-free pizza. And gluten-free pizza. <laughs> well, this sounds like it's for the entire family. Now, De now, Dennis, you know, you joined this family. Got to be exciting. You know, you're Italian yourself, right? Coming in and uh, really picking up that tradition and really the traditional Las Vegas. Well, you know, my, I come from uh, an Italian family, an Italian background from back east, so... Uh, when Lorraine and I met and my family and her family met, my 
you know, my my dad and and uh, her dad and mom, I, they hit it off right away. It was like they knew we were in love before we knew we were in love, <laughs> and uh, and and we fulfilled their dreams and wishes by becoming a couple and getting married and carrying on a. Uh, a, a tradition of music and food and all of the passionate things that Italians are are, are passionate about. So it's uh, very special. We're going to talk about all that stuff, but just to finish up on the restaurant real quickly, Anthony Bourdain has it on. And all of a sudden, I'm getting calls from people. This was well before I ever planned this interview or anything, and they're going, my God, did you see that? We have to do that when we go to Vegas and that kind of thing. How important was that kind of a thing? Because I know he carries a lot of weight, and he only goes to places that, if he puts his stamp on it, it can be really helpful. Do you get a lot of people coming in going, hey, I saw that? And, uh... well, of course, from all over the world. It was an amazing thing, because they called one night on a Wednesday and said he wanted to come in and have some of our famous pork neck bones and mama's meatballs, and I thought they were kind of joking with us. And they said they were landing at the airport and bringing him in, and we didn't know any of the people. They just had heard about it, and apparently they came to the bootlegger and ate that night. Next morning, they called me and asked if they could come on Friday to interview Mama Maria and to spend some time filming. Well, we figured, hey, he's in Vegas. Once he gets to Caesar's Palace and Steve Wynn gets a hold of him and, and Sheldon Adelson at the Venetian, we'll never see him again. They'll be filming out there. But sure enough, Friday morning, they showed up with the crew and they came to the bootlegger and the Bourdain people with him. And they filmed for like 11 hours here on the premises because they loved the history of, of Las Vegas how my mother and father came here in the 40s as young Italian kids, established themselves as restaurateurs, and, and just achieved their American dream right here in, in Las Vegas. So it's real. The bootlegger's authentic. We have, we're in our fourth generation now with my son and grandson. And so it's a big Italian family for real, and, and, and it's, uh, it's just growing and growing. And it's almost like a museum here with the pictures all over the walls because they are real. Yeah, you can kind of relive some of those glory days of Vegas. And I, well, and I got to say, too, as I watched that particular show, you know, he went to a lot of these new places in town, some of where the people are going. But I think it really brought out the point that when you make a trip to Vegas, yeah, maybe you want to go to the, the hip, new, chic place down the street. But this is one of these places you don't want to ever forget. We don't want to lose that type of thing. And uh, not only the food, but the atmosphere and everything. Well, the other thing is, is, is people, you know, uh, this has become a staple, uh, not just for food and the history and the vintage Vegas, the photographs from everybody, from Margaret Thatcher to George Bush, the Frank Sinatra and everybody in between. Uh, of course, with my wife's political background as well, but uh, the entertainment background. I mean, we've had the greatest performers in his music here every single night of the week. Seven nights a week. Seven nights a week. We're open 24-7. We've had some of the legendary performers from the legendary Ruth Brown finished her career here. Great, One of the all-time great blues singers. Uh, Sonny King from the Rat Pack days and uh, Robin and the Seven Hoods and uh, so many performers. And, and Monday nights, all the young performers come in on open mic night to get exposure, and and uh, you know it's just a, it's an amazing tradition that no other place has, and no other place has the longevity. My mother-in-law came out here in '43, made a pizza. They didn't even know what a pizza was. That's out here. right. <laughs> so, uh, and Howard Hughes and and Marlena Dietrich and Sammy Davis used to come in with a, a pot and go, well, "Kim, Mama, give me the sauce. I need to keep it in my suite." I mean, it's she's got more stories than anybody, but uh, it, it certainly is uh, uh, an incredible reflection of 
of the glory days of Las Vegas, but it continues. And people come in to try to recapture it because uh, a lot of places don't, you know, they don't recapture the glory days. Absolutely. And tell me the truth. There's nothing like that big pot of sauce cooking. I mean, that that was growing up to me, and that was one of the great pleasures in life. I used to start, I I was known for instigating amongst my friends. I'd go into a place, and all my cronies would be hanging out at a bar. You know, guys from back east and different, from Philly, from New York, from Cleveland, from Boston, whatever, they'd be hanging out. I used to go in after a show, and I'd just go, and i say, okay, let me ask you a question. Is it sauce or is it gravy? And and within 10 minutes, I'd have the whole bar arguing. So, you know, that's part of the tradition. And then I'd leave. I'd just instigate. The bartender, the owner would look at me and say, boy, you have this knack of doing this. Well, come on. That's what I do. I have fun. But it it recaptures an era of uh, of great importance uh, for this community. It does it with the food, it does it with the entertainment, and uh, you know, yeah, if the you Bula really- It's really unique in the fact that it's kind of like an extension of our home. Uh, yeah. I, growing up as an Italian kid, we had music and food, and that's kind of what the bootlegger is, music and food, and for generations here, then with all the history of Las Vegas and the bootlegger cabaret room where our stage is, where the performers perform, uh, in the main dining room, has become like a stepping stone to the strip for many young performers who don't really get a chance, much like Dennis's show, gives them an opportunity to showcase their talent. And it's, so it's exciting for us to not only provide this old-time ambiance of the real Las Vegas, like it really was, but because it, it is real, because our family lived it, but then it, we have the entertainment portion of it that adds that other component and it's it's just it's just it's great it's so much fun and we just love it yeah and it's so it it really is wonderful at the time there used to be lounge acts now now you come here and you can kind of feel that i mean have a great meal and hear some great music you know and some of the standards and even my daughter is real young and yet she loves some of that stuff you know the sinatra stuff and you hear it in here and the quality here isn't just somebody covering that music it's really quality they're artists they're, they're really performing artists. Great singers have started their careers and uh, wound down their careers here as well. Um, every, every celebrity has been in this place and respects its tradition and how important it is uh, not only for the, f- the food industry and the restaurant history, but for the entertainment industry. So. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we talked about politics before. Lorraine, you were the lieutenant governor of the state of Nevada. How do you get into politics from this world and... You know, is it one of those things, is this year kind of driving you crazy because there's so much angst out there? Oh, it sure is. Yeah, I well, I started out as a music major and a music student and then the daughter of restaurateurs. I used to do my homework sitting on a pizza can box in the kitchen. And then I loved music, though, and I went on to study music, went to Westlake College of Music. Uh, when I was 18 years old, I opened the Riviera Hotel and then I opened the Landmark Hotel and I was very, very much involved in the music business in Las Vegas and the Nevada circuit. But then my parents always had the restaurants, and I bought some real estate in Las Vegas. In about 1972, my mom and dad decided to build a new restaurant after they had gone into retirement for a short period of time. Back with more from Lorraine Hunt and Dennis Bono of Bootlegger's Bistro in just a moment. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. From the famous to the fascinating, in a climate as fun, fast, and flashy as Las Vegas, this is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. 
Forgotten Heroes, the independent film that Hollywood refused to distribute. They were asked to risk their lives in order to save their enemy. The producers of Forgotten Heroes are donating 25% of all sales to the American Veterans Disabled for Life Memorial Fund. We need someone to go in there and bring them out. From first-time director Jack Marino, the home run for America's Vietnam veterans. They are Forgotten Heroes. Buy the DVD now at ForgottenHeroesTheMovie.com. That's ForgottenHeroesTheMovie.com. I'm here with Logan Reed, my own personal business coach that does so much more than just business. Logan, do you find that people come to you thinking about business and ended up leaving where it's really about their entire life? That's actually a great question because what I find is that people often come to me and ask, am I a business coach, am I a career coach, am I a life coach? And I say, I don't care what you call me because when you change any part of your life, so if we're talking about your career or your relationship, it's going to change everything. So when we make changes in one part, it touches every part of our life. So how do we get involved? How do we get more information about about you and what you're doing? Sure. You can give me a call at 360-529-1848 or email me at logan at loganreadcoaching.com. And you could also check out my website if you want to learn more about me at loganreadcoaching.com. Waste management has earth-friendly plans that fit the biggest corporations and recycling programs to help smaller companies get started. We're there for you every night and on the job with you every day. When you put waste management to work, you get an environmental partner and big ideas for every size business. From everyday collection to environmental protection, think green, think waste management. To learn more, visit WM.com. We are back with Lorraine Hunt and Dennis Bono owners of the wonderful Italian restaurant Bootlegger's Bistro, located on the south part of the Las Vegas Strip. So, Lorraine, your parents built the restaurant back in 1972, and you're a singer in the area. What did you do next? And I said, oh, I'll put a little jazz group, and I'll sing in between, and I'll still work on the strip with my musical group, etc. And lo and behold, I found myself in the restaurant business, partnering with my parents. And then we had a little um, land around us, and I had friends that wanted to open some stores, so I built, started to develop a shopping center. So suddenly I found myself as the landlady. And then the landlady, of course, had tenants coming to her uh, with problems with big bureaucratic government control and asking me about certain problems. And I started interceding, and my mother would be in the kitchen of our restaurant, and she'd say, Lorraine, you go down there and you tell them down at the meeting that that's if they did that to us when we started our small business, we never would have been able to open a business. And how can people survive with these ridiculous laws, taxes, and all? So I, okay, mom. So I went down on behalf of our small business tenants. And before you, you know, you knew it, someone said, you need to run for elected office. And so I figured, well, my son by this time was grown and, you know, out. out, I said, I never served in the armed services. And so I did run. I ran for Clark County Commission. And that began a a wonderful 12-year political career for me that I'm very, very fortunate to have experienced. Did you enjoy Carson City? or? I loved it. Okay. I loved it up there. I really did. It was, it is old Nevada. 
And it's a good place for you to go and reflect about the issues that are being decided by the Nevada State Legislature and the governor and all the elected officials. Kind of gives you a sense of balance in history. And I think it's good. It's a great, you know, environment. I loved it up there. Okay. And then Dennis does something really interesting, too. It has a variety show on the radio. And you know, that's kind of different now. Again, it's, it's something we really miss, and I think people really enjoy. Tell us a little about the show, Dennis, and where we can hear it. Well, first of all, I came out here. Sinatra brought me out here in the 80s. Uh, his his guy, Jilly, was my manager. And um, I came out here as a singer and started working all the hotels and worked with Don Rickles, and I think I worked there. But I could see the genre of the music, the Great American Songbook, that was changing. So I needed to reinvent myself. So I, I was in Japan, came back from Japan from a tour, and said I, I came up with this idea for reinventing a sort of uh, Johnny Carson, uh, Mike Douglas, Merv Griffin variety show. And... So I said, well, I'll take a shot with it. And I had a radio station said, well, that's a good idea. We'll air it. So I said, well, I signed a six-week contract. And, um, you know, I come out, sing a song, write a monologue, and tried to get people to come on the show. The first six weeks, I said, oh, if I get through a six weeks, this would be a miracle. And here we are in our 16th year. Great. And it's uh, it's really caught on, and I get a chance to do what I love most, which is sing and surround myself with my celebrity friends. Uh, they come on and perform and promote what it is they're doing in town, uh, whether it's the celebrity that comes in for the weekend or the artist that I always say, the, the working artist that stirs, stirs the drink, uh, so to speak, in Las Vegas that are here all the time. Um, so it's become, uh, we sell out every week. 500 people in the audience, and it gets edited and broadcast to different markets, 11 million homes across the country. It's, it's really been an amazing, enjoyable journey. Let's tell them how they can listen to that. Because if you go to your website, I think you can figure out where, how you can hear it. I'm going to have to tell you to go to my website because, I mean, we're on, I think, four times a week in Las Vegas on, on a couple of so different stations. So many different platforms. But there's so many different platforms now. It's a different thing. And we're on yeah. the CRN network out of uh, Los Angeles. And uh, that, that broadcasts on, on uh, music channels, on television. Um, and if you go to the website, plus now, you know, it's a different world. Um, you can uh, pull up uh, and listen to it on the computer. I, I have audience uh, listeners in Beijing. From, from Beijing <laughs> and from Germany that write every week that listen to it on their computer. You can actually pull up any show you want. It's a different world to me. I barely can use my Dennis phone. Is it DennisBonoShow.com no, or it's, Dennis yeah, Bono? No, it's, it's, yeah, it's the, Dennis, it's the DennisBonoShow.com. Uh, or if you just look up DennisBono.com, it'll lead you to how you can do it and what stations you can listen to, depending on where you are. And he posts pictures every, every oh, week yeah, of it's, all it's the celebrities, a, yeah, it's, and it's there's crazy. a Facebook page, lots of I mean, I barely, you know, I know how to use my phone. <laughs> and, and I have to, I have a 12-year-old granddaughter who knows how to do this better than I do. Thank God I surround myself with very talented, technologically sharp people who know how to do all this stuff. My job is to go out and do the show, and I leave it up to them to, to do what, work the magic and make sure it's broadcast where it's supposed to be going. So. No, I understand that. I had to learn social media or you get out of the business. <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite line, I, you know, I told my granddaughter was listening to me and I said, are you kidding me? I don't even know how to program my VCR. And she went, oh, my God, you have a VCR? <laughs> so that shows you how time has passed me by. So my job is to perform and they record it and then we edit it and it gets uploaded and broadcast to radio stations and 
uh, throughout the country. So It's a great website, too, and you can figure out when you come out here, you can go watch one of these shows. We yeah. record. It's a lot of fun. And let's also tell them about the restaurant. So I know people, you know, they can, they can actually see even on your website. you got a great website that even you can see that piece in case you missed it with Anthony Bourdain. There's a lot of great, a lot of great history on there. What's that website? That's bootleggerlasvegas.com. Bootleggerlasvegas.com. That sounds great. Hey, thank you both for being there. Really enjoyed it, and we'll come out and see you again. Thank you. It's, it's been great, fun. Great to have you with us. Uh, I hope you enjoy the evening here. From the old world of food, let's now take a look at one of the new eclectic restaurants in town. If you're a visitor to Las Vegas and you particularly know the behind-the-scenes places to go and eat, you've heard about Jabberitos. It's a great place, really popular around the insiders in town. Now they're going to hit the strip, and this is really exciting. They're opening up a new location at the Link Promenade in December of 2016. And with us is the owner, Ken Aoki. Got to be exciting for you to hit the strip, right? This takes it to a whole nother level. Yes, definitely. Um, We've had... We've had a lot of success with the people here in Las Vegas, but um, I'm excited to uh, see, you know, the different 40, how the 40 million tourists that come to Las Vegas kind of, uh, you know, how how they'll enjoy it. Oh, I think they're going to love it. And it's such an interesting, you know, it, it strikes me as one of those things like, you know, the, when people think of Vegas, they think of things new and exciting. And this is really kind of a, a combination of a, a couple of cuisines, you know. Uh, talk about, first of all, what are sushi burritos? Because I think it's really exciting. And what gave you the idea? What made these things come to light? Uh, well, sushi burritos, you know, there's a lot of definitions. But for our definition, it's basically a combination of Japanese food and Mexican food. So um, a lot of the flavors from um, Japanese food you know, meld really well with Mexican flavors. So basically we take a lot of um, different items such as, you know, um, you know, fresh sushi items and combine them in a rice wrap and then finish them off with different kinds of uh, Mexican types of seasonings and such. Yeah, and people are excited about it. I know some folks that are regulars down there that just can't, you know, can't go a week without stopping at Jay Burritos. <laughs> and one of the things they say is uh, you guys are very open to letting people create their own recipes. So you'll work with folks on that. Yeah, absolutely. So out, we have a counter that basically, you know, our, our menu, we have some you know, chef specialties that have some, you know, pre-designed roles. But basically, you can walk through just kind of like a Chipotle or a Subway and basically pick out your own items. So if you're in the mood today for a certain kind of um, sushi or if you're, you know, we have items, even cooked items, such as chicken or steak, that you can combine with different sushi items, um, you know, you can create your own. And that, that we try to give the option of um, however you would like it, that gives you a, a ton of different possibilities. Do you ever have to say to somebody, you know, you might not like these together, or is it just a natural fit, you know? You know, I, the biggest thing for me is, you know, some people have unique tastes, and um, people give me ideas all the time, something that I would have never thought about, you know, maybe a combination of steak and ahi tuna. At first, I wasn't, you know, I, I couldn't really imagine it, but once I tried it, hey, I was, I was a fan. So I, I, I let people give me ideas, and I try to give them ideas, and it all somehow works. And it's kind of cool, too, because they can take some of their friends that maybe, oh, my God, I'd never eat sushi. There's still stuff they can eat there. I, absolutely. You know, we have – the best thing about our restaurant is that you can bring the whole office, you know, because everybody at the office has the one friend that can't eat that certain type of cuisine. 
But um, we cater to everybody. We have um, everything from chicken, steak, cooked salmon, cooked albacore, raw yellowtail, ahi tuna, and even uh, vegan vegan beef. So we can you can even bring your vegan friends that uh, can't have any animal products. And so we have everything across the board. Wow, vegan beef. Okay, that that truly is everything, Ken. Well, you know, your restaurant is, is really exciting. I know people are, like I say, really fired up about having it in downtown. You're, I should say we're on the Strip. And being on the Strip, does that present certain uh, changes you have to make or anything? Or is it something where you know it works and now it's just a matter of reaching out to tourists that may not have you know, the advantage of hearing the word-of-mouth thing that everybody hears in Vegas that lives there? Right. Well, the one on the Strip, we're going to scale down a little bit. We're going to focus more on our chef specialty items, um, just because we don't want people to get overwhelmed with all the options, you know, which a lot of people tend to do. Um, And then we're also going to have an alcohol component. We're going to have some uh, Japanese and uh, Mexican-style infusions, such as the sake sangria, you know, and Japanese, (laughs) yeah, Japanese and Mexican beers. And uh, we're we're gonna focus on a couple of dessert options like uh you know um, some maybe like a, a Japanese like Japanese uh, Mexican infused churro. So do do you have to do you find yourself um, can having to go to people when they come in and maybe they're looking at you like this isn't gonna work or I think this is weird. Have you had to talk any folks anybody into this you know or and then they try it and love it? Yes. Well. Basically, a lot of people come in a little confused, a little, you know, a little weary of the concept. But when they walk up to the counter and see what's going on, they automatically get interested. And then once they taste it, they get it. And usually they uh, they come right back after that. So I think the fact that they come right back, they uh, they're they're really enjoying it once they give it a shot. So. Well, you know, the other thing that you've made a commitment to in your mission statement is to really do all this in an environmentally responsible manner. And, it, and that's more than just saying, okay, we'll recycle and so forth. Talk a little about some of the things you've done to, to really fit into that commitment. Yeah, you know, that for me, you know, sustainability and, you know, caring about the environment is really important for me. Um, we... Not only do we recycle, but, you know, everything in our store, we, we try to have some sort of, you know, environmental commitment to, such as uh, the packaging for all of our store either is recyclable or at one time was recycled. Um, you know, we use plant-based fibers for the paper products that we use, you know, so we're not chopping down a bunch of trees. Um, a lot of our uh, tables, we use either recycled wood or bamboo tables. Um, our chairs are recycled steel. And, uh, you know, whenever we can, we try to use sustainable uh, seafood products. So, you know, uh, the, a lot of our products come from the ocean. So we, we really care about, you know, what we take out of it. And also, you know, part of our proceeds goes towards cleaning the oceans because, you know, we want to also, whatever we take out, we also want to keep out, you know. So we want to keep out all the trash. We want to keep out, you know, look at ma- having our oceans stay beautiful. Yeah, and that means a lot to people. You know, it's not just a matter of putting up a flag that says I'm environmental. You know, I can, I'm concerned about our uh, our world, but actually doing something about it. And it's really a great example to other vendors and so forth throughout uh, not only Las Vegas but around the world that there is a way of doing this, and obviously you can make that work and still be successful. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, there, there's, there has to be some sort of responsibility there of, 
not just trying to make money, but also, you know, doing something good on top of, you know, running running a successful business, I guess. So. Well, people are excited to come down to Chiburrito, and the nice thing about that, too, is I, I know in addition to all this great environmental concern and so forth, you also are worried about people's diets in the sense that you'll work with whatever they're, whatever they're doing. If it's low-carb, you know, which I do from time to time, if they're vegan, you got something for everybody. Uh, is that something about really owning a uh, 21st century restaurant these days? Yeah, you know, I've been in the food and beverage industry for a good decade now, and when um, when you deal with everybody's different dietary restrictions, you know, I try to be as, as sympathetic as possible to it. And you know, the last thing you want is somebody coming to your restaurant that can't have anything. So we try to be really respectful to that. So when people do come, we we really do um, give people an option of gluten free items, uh, you know, low carb, you know, protein based diets. You know, we know a lot of people are on different diets these days, so we, we, we try to accommodate as much as possible to that. And, of course, you accommodate people that want to have great food. Ken, let's tell them where they can find it, when exactly you're going to be open, and do you have anything special for your grand opening? Uh, absolutely. We are currently, we're right now at 6090 South Rainbow Boulevard um, in Las Vegas. We're going to be opening at the Link uh, Promenade in on the Strip. And for the opening, we're going to be doing a grand opening, uh, you know, having maybe a, a little bit of specials for uh, all the people that join us on our grand opening day. Well, we'll, we'll be there, and we'll be excited about it, and people will we'll let them know as soon as we have that day down. We'll let them know so they can go down and enjoy that as well. Hey, Ken, thanks so much. Really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you so much. When we come back, you'll meet author Rob Mish, who tells the story of hometown baseball star Bryce Harper. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. World-class hotels, dining, gaming, special events, and more. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Are you looking to save money on your prescription medications? Are your prescription costs too high? Are you paying out of pocket for your meds? Or is your copay too high? Well, if you answered yes to any of these questions, you've got to check out the RX Cut free prescription discount card. And getting your free discount card is easy. All you do is go to the website rxcutdiscounts.com. The free RX Cut prescription discount card allows you to get significant discounts on either brand name or generic prescription medications, and it also works on meds with high copays. There are no fees, no forms, no personal information needed, and the cards are active immediately. Discount cards are also good for the entire family, and they never expire. Again, to get your free discount cards, visit rxcutdiscounts.com. You may get the free discount card either by U.S. mail, email, text, or simply print out the discount card online. It's just that easy. Dear Daddy, dear Mom, I love you. I miss you. Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express, a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at SnowballExpress.org. You may not realize it, 
But there's a source of renewable energy right in your neighborhood, and you're helping to power it. Today, waste management is using the resources at our disposal to create energy from waste. Enough green energy to power over one million homes. It's an idea we're proud to drive forward. From everyday collection to environmental protection, think green, think waste management. Our very own from Las Vegas is a great sports writer. You know, sports is talked about all the time in Las Vegas. He's written some incredible books. His name is Rob Mish, and I'm really happy to have Rob on. You might see his work in things like CBS Sports Line, MLB.com, The Washington Post. But he's written a few books, and we're going to talk about each of those books. And you, you want to get a hold of it, so I guess you want to go to his website to see where you can buy these. They're incredible. But uh uh, among those, let's start. Uh, first of all, Rob, welcome. Uh, living in Las Vegas, uh, is that a good place for a sports writer to be like yourself where you can kind of freelance and so forth? Yeah, it sure is, Steve. First of all, thank you very much for having me. It's uh, it's a fantastic place. I, I moved here uh, almost exactly 14 years ago. I had been uh, uh, just a, a nutshell look at my career. I went to San Diego State. I've been, I've been a sports writer for almost 30 years. For most of the 90s, I covered UCLA football and basketball for the Pasadena Star News. Into the double O's, I was doing a lot of stuff for MLB.com. I was also the uh, National College basketball writer for CBS Sportsline. And then uh, 14 years ago, I came out here to Vegas, took a job writing sports uh, for the Las Vegas Sun. And uh, at the very end of 09, I got laid off by the Sun, which was the best thing that's ever happened to me so uh that launched my chapter into books and so i probably stayed a bit too long in the drudgery of daily writing and just uh kind of spitting it out and moving on and getting on to the next day and not really being able to have the time to focus on the writing and actually making the writing better. You get into a thing where it's just a machine and you're covering a beat or you're, you're writing stories just sometimes twice a day. That day's over, go on to the next day and just spit it out again. So that, that teaches you a lot, but uh, I am much happier writing books and stuff of meaning and more depth and uh, a lot more character. Well, what a wonderful story because, you know, the, one of the worst things in life is when you get laid off and so forth, and particularly in the ra- in the newspaper business. Yeah. It's incredible. And that gave you the opportunity to write these books, and I think a lot of people have fantasies about it. You've actually been able to do it. And we're going to get into these books one by one, but i, I got to ask you, it must be a real relief back from the days of, of doing that daily grind, which is important. People read yeah. about it. But, I mean, this you could really dig in and go as far as you can. Was that research part kind of in you, waiting to jump out? Totally, totally. I have, a, I have a, a very good friend of mine here in Vegas. He is a lawyer, very successful, and, and he has said a few times how I would have made a great lawyer. I don't know about that, but what he's talking about is I will get a nugget and I will research it and dig into it and find out its genesis and connections, and that stuff just fascinates me. Uh, I know we'll get into this. Remind me when we get into the Ed O'Bannon story, but all of that that's in me 
helped out in the Ed O'Bannon story so magnificently. I I found a nugget in there that was just beyond beautiful. So I know you want to kind of take this in a chronological order. So remind me when we get to UCLA 95, because that's a gem of a story. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because you were down there. I was living in L.A. through the 90s as well. So I yeah. remember all that. In fact, I lived in Burbank, which I read you a number of times back uh, oh, wow. back in wow. the day. Yeah, so... <laughs> But the story about Bryce Harper, and everybody's familiar, he's just a superstar with the Washington Nationals. Uh, but your story about him is incredible, and I think it's beyond just about Bryce Harper. It's this whole idea of – and the book is called, actually, Phenom, right? I got confused. There's two books. You started out originally with The Last Natural, and then Phenom yeah, uh, came yeah, later? Yeah, this, this, this goes into the category of something way beyond my control. When I, when I wrote that book uh, – I signed on with uh, St. Martin's in New York, and uh, I was very fortunate in many, many ways to land that book, to get that, uh, um, to sign up with St. Martin's. But, uh, you know, once you sign with them, they do things at their pace, how they want to. So the hardback version of that book, which is the tw- the inside story of the 2010 baseball season that launched Bryce Harper to fame and fortune. Out on the outskirts of the southeast uh, quadrant of Vegas is uh, the junior college, College of Southern Nevada. That's where he wound up going to. Um, he left... Uh, he left Las Vegas High School after his sophomore year, got his GED to conveniently go to this junior college 10 miles from his front door that also very conveniently hits with wood bats, and that's very, very unusual. But what he set out to do at the age of 17 was to prove that not only was he worthy, worthy of the uh, Sports Illustrated cover he was just on, but to prove that he could be, he was worthy of the number one draft pick, which of course he wound up proving that season. But uh, the hardback version is called The Last Natural. It came out right on the eve of him hitting the big leagues. And then the, the paperback came out one year later, and they renamed it Phenom with a whole new cover. Um, it includes an additional chapter which details his first season in the big leagues. Now, none of that was my control. None of every bit of that was out of my control as far as renaming the paperback. I mean, yeah, that might be something that's common in the industry, but I thought it was a curveball, and I, plenty of other people think it's a curveball. One guy noted on the, the, the Amazon page for Phenom, he noted that, you know, here I thought I was getting a new book, and it's just the last natural with an extra chapter. And I, I've had to fight off so badly having to write an, uh, a note in there saying that that was out of my control. I didn't have anything to do with it. You really get into a can of worms there. Um, so my intention was never to mislead anybody. I hope people see that, you know, it's the same author. So while it's largely the same one, it's a little different. There's a chapter in there, so you get more um, Man, I don't know where to file that under Steven. That was out of my control. <laughs> well, I think which, regardless of what people get, the, yeah. the, the story is incredible. It's a great yeah. book. I guess Phenom is the one we want to talk about because that's the got the extra chapter. But yeah. I, I got to say, if you followed basketball with this whole LeBron James thing and this whole deal, yeah. it just struck me as, wow, this is great because this is inside. And baseball works a little differently than basketball. You don't just step on the hardwood in the NBA. I thought it was just kind of incredible. And this kid really uh, had his vision. I mean, usually when you come out and you say at that age, you yeah. know, you have no idea you're going to let things happen. Well, 
this guy was a little different. Talk a little about that, because I think, uh, you know, even going to that college with, with uh, wooden bats, that's almost unheard of these days. It, it very much is, boy. And with, with so many different details of the story, too, if, if, if I get off on too much of a tangent, just reel me in, Steve, because there's, there's a lot of different tentacles to this. Um, when I moved here 14 years ago, this is the most important thing. When I moved here, just the fact that there was a junior college that hit with wood, when I first found out about that, that intrigued me beyond words. I thought, wow, college, wooden bats. So I went down there and stuck my nose into that program, and Tim Chambers was the coach. And so above and beyond everything that I had on my plate, I would try to get down there as often as I could to do stories about him, to, uh, uh, to highlight those kids down there. I went to junior college also myself, and so I know that those, those guys could be considered the runt of collegiate athletes or college, and I know it's anything but that. And so on that subject, it was really cool to shine a light on what goes on down there and, and that these are kids who are on the ball. And uh, it was that relationship with Tim Chambers that led me to this book. Fortunately, when I got laid off on December 1st, 09, another great thing was I had already been laid off. You know the wonderful world of journalism. It's brutal. It's awful. Yeah. I don't I – don't, um, I, I don't – I, I steer people away from journalism. A friend of my family a couple years ago was very curious about getting into journalism, wanting to be a sports writer. I did what I could to steer him differently, and he is now going to be a lawyer, and I am so happy for him. Well, part of the it, problem, Rob, isn't it, that everybody's a journalist, right? Anybody that's got a computer, now they put out these blogs, and particularly on a subject like sports, and you don't get that great writing that we grew up with, but, you know, it, it's free, right? <laughs> right, it's, it's, it's uh, and you know, you know this also, Steve, um, it's a brutal crappy world journalism today. There's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. I could write a book about how bad it is and how, how, how uh, unsatisfying it is. And, but, but you and I both know, 20 years ago, it was the same way. When we come back, you'll hear more from Las Vegas author Rob Mish. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Visit us at VegasNeverSleeps.com. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. What can you do to prevent mosquitoes from spreading West Nile virus? The most important thing you can do is get rid of standing water on your property now. That's where mosquitoes breed. Don't leave standing water in outside pet water bowls, old tires, potted plants, anything that holds stagnant water. Dump birdbath water and replace every two or three days. Drain and cover unused swimming pools. Let's do it together and hit mosquitoes where they breed. Learn how at beyondpesticides.org mosquito. A public service message from Beyond Pesticides. You'd never suspect that you could find natural beauty as part of a working landfill. You can. Today, waste management landfills provide more than 17,000 acres of protected land for wildlife habitats. Working closely with communities and the Wildlife Habitat Council, we can ensure there will be protected space for native animal and plant life to thrive. From everyday collection to environmental protection. Think green. Think waste management. I'm here with Logan Reed, my own personal business coach. You know, a lot of people may think this is all a bunch of psychobabble and that kind of thing. But in reality, this is stuff that 
on the surface may seem like we're going to explore our background, but actually we're just getting really in touch with ourselves to see how we can be more successful. Is that what you try to do with people? It is. So I'm not so interested in what's happened in the past. What I'm looking for is where people are now, where they want to be, and coaching always takes place in the gap. So what are the things, where are the places where they're getting stopped that's in that gap? And then when we move through those, they end up having what they want, whatever their goal is for themselves. Okay, we're all excited about it now. So how do we get involved? How do we get more information about about you and what you're doing? Sure, you can give me a call at 360-529-1848 or email me at logan at loganreadcoaching.com. And you could also check out my website if you want to learn more about me at loganreadcoaching.com. You are listening to author Rob Mitch discussing his book, Phenom, which tells the story of Vegas star baseball player Bryce Harper. Rob, you were just telling us about the demise of the world of journalism back in the 1990s. I remember layoffs, friends getting laid off in the industry, and uh, it's just... uh... It's, it's, it's a godforsaken world, and there's a reason why I believe this is right. Three, for the, just recently, for the third year in a row, the worst job is considered a journalist. <laughs> yeah. That just made Sad, it for the third true. year in a row. And so, so on December 1st, 09, I got laid off, and it was, it was actually beautiful for me because I'd been laid off before. So I learned the golden rule. Uh, it's, it's never the end of the world. There's always something good, if not very good, if not great, right around the corner. That is an invaluable lesson. So I even continued plans for a holiday trip to Hawaii a few weeks later so that I had planned for a few months. And while I was in Hawaii, I, I received word that uh, there was a new magazine starting up here in Vegas called Vegas 7, a weekly magazine. Some people from the Sun had moved over there. They wanted to know if I would like to do some sports stories for them. I gave them a dozen ideas, and at the very top was this kid who left Las Vegas High School after a sophomore year to play at this junior college. And they loved that story. So they wanted it, 500 words, very simple. I went over there for two days. Uh, I gathered much more information than I ever needed, and uh, I didn't even talk to Bryce because I wanted to talk to the people on the periphery about this this young, precocious kid landing in their lap. And uh, uh, I went home, transcribed my tapes, and I started putting together this little 500-word story. And it kept pounding and resonating with me, the coach's words. What he's doing has never been done before. It'll never be done again for, for very simple and complex reasons. So I'm home transcribing this, and, I'm, and those words are just echoing in my, in my brain. So I called up Chambers right away, and I said, listen, Skip, if you think this is never going to be done again and this has never been done before, should, should every day be chronicled? He goes, get your rear end down here tomorrow morning. I don't think I slept that night. I got down to his office the next morning, walked in there, 8 a.m., his door wide open. And he goes, what are you thinking? And I said, Skip, you told me what he, has, what he is trying to do has never been done, will never be done again, should every day be documented. He goes, what are you thinking, like a book? I go, I think so. What do you think? Is it, is it going to be that rich? He goes, it's all yours. You're in the dugout for the games. You're on the coach for the road trips. Every ounce of this story is yours. And you need to remember that at that point, he was keeping everybody away from this kid. Yeah, 60 Minutes wanted to visit. He said no. Oprah wanted to talk to Harper. Skip said no. And here I was talking to him every day at practice. But that so, makes a lot of sense because there's so much pressure on him. And that's yep. one of the things. I mean, he had a big adjustment, right? I mean, so that, that makes time. a lot of sense. 
big time. As as much as his ego precedes him, and it does, he does not have a very favorable um, uh, view about him from many people in this town. He's always been very arrogant, and you can you can make the case on the flip side that that is what has fueled him. But many, many, many people in this town have taken that wrong and uh, aren't exactly fans of him. Now, when when you take that into account, uh, the one thing that I'm really happy about is there was nothing about that season that was easy for him. He may have thought it would have been, but he got he got his stuff handed to him and it was uh it was i was very privileged to be able to see that to hear it to feel it to taste it and that's what i hope uh i transposed onto the pages so that everybody else can read there was nothing easy about it he is not where he is today without all of those teammates many of which he grew up with so that was another key well, it has to be a great story because he's so much younger than his teammates yes. there. He's trying to get along. He hasn't really matured, and that comes out, too. You know, yes. he's still a kid. Yes, exactly. I thought uh, I thought there was going to be a few fights along the way, and they, they needed to, to really drill reality into him. And so whatever he is today, the good side of what he is is owed to those guys. And – it's an exciting book. I think people will love the story of it. It is unique. Why do you say it'll never happen again? Well, it was, it was, um, and it's, it's, it's interesting that you brought up LeBron, Steve, because when I first heard of LeBron, I think he was in, I think he was in, he was a sophomore in high school. And from what I could have gathered at the time, it seemed like he was going to be that anomaly who was going to really test the waters in a bold way. And by that, I mean, I really thought after his junior year of high school, he was going to go to court for the right to play in the NBA. I thought that was going to happen. Uh, Because, you know, in this town, or in this town, what am I talking about? In in this country, obviously there's a right to work and the National Labor Relations Board. There's all kinds of laws and rules where, you know, if you're 16, you can provide. And, uh, I thought he was really going to test it in a fantastic way. Of course, he didn't. But then it's very interesting that years later, here I am, you know, in in the midst of this 17-year-old who's just basically doing the same thing without having to go to court. He He did what he did because at that time, there was a lot of speculation and rumor that in two years, the, the Major League Baseball was going to institute uh, – uh, slotted draft picks, meaning you're going to get X amount for where you're picked, and bonuses were going to be severely curtailed. So he did what he did because he didn't want to go through, or, or, or let me say, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm stumbling a little bit here, but basically what he didn't want to do is go through the high school process where he was going to be graduated with his fellow senior classmates. He, he did end around. He went to the junior college and basically got drafted after his what, what should have been his junior year of high school. He was allowed to be drafted because he had a year away from high school. Well, and it makes sense in the sense that there's so much money to be made that any year you can cut out, you know, when you're, when you're that far ahead, right. you, you want to move up because, you know, 
you're talking about guys who make millions and millions of dollars every year, and right. you're missing a year. It's real money. It is. It is. Um, so now we do have those slotted draft picks. Now we do have those bonuses that aren't as much as they were then. Now you can flip that around like you can anything with Bryce and say, well, he had big eyes, he had dollar signs in his pupils, and he was chasing the buck. Well, yeah, he was. He was also coming off uh, being on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 16. All that is what matters. If you go back in real time and you play it out, that was his moment to really shine, to prove that he was all that, and uh, he did. But again, it, it was not easy, and that's what I was really happy to expose in that book. Rob will be back with us in a few weeks discussing his other fine books, including 11th Heaven, which tells the Ed O'Bannon story, and the book of Cowards and True Men, which talks about the world of boxing, modern world. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Is there something you've always wanted to know about Las Vegas? Drop us a line at info at VegasNeverSleeps.com. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Forgotten Heroes, the independent film that Hollywood refused to distribute. They were asked to risk their lives in order to save their enemy. The producers of Forgotten Heroes are donating 25% of all sales to the American Veterans Disabled for Life Memorial Fund. We need someone to go in there and bring them out. From first-time director Jack Marino, the home run for America's Vietnam veteran. They are Forgotten Heroes. Buy the DVD now at ForgottenHeroesTheMovie.com. That's ForgottenHeroesTheMovie.com. This year, more than 172,000 people will be told they have lung cancer. Lung cancer. 60% will wonder why, why, as they never smoked or quit smoking years ago. Lung cancer will kill 163,000 people this year. More people than breast, prostate, colon, liver, and kidney cancers combined, making it by far America's number one cancer killer. Cancer killer. But there is hope. New treatments are available and more are on the way. The Lung Cancer Alliance is working to focus attention and research on lung cancer to develop early detection tools and more treatment options. Lung Cancer Alliance is leading the charge as the only organization solely dedicated to providing support, resources, and a voice for people touched by lung cancer and those at risk for the disease. Join us in the fight against lung cancer. The time has come. No more excuses. No more lung cancer. To learn more, visit lungcanceralliance.org or call 1-800-298-2436. As you may already know, trees do more than beautify our world. They help clean the air of carbon dioxide, a major greenhouse gas. As North America's largest recycler, last year alone, waste management recycled enough paper to save over 41 million trees. How's that for thinking green? From everyday collection to environmental protection, think green. Think waste management. Time now for a trip back in Vegas history with the curator of the Casino Legends Hall of Fame, Steve Cutler. There's obviously been a big change where now there is all the special dining. Dining has always been an important part of Las Vegas, though, but it just, I guess, was in the earlier days was more limited, right, to like great steakhouses, that kind of thing? It was, and there's certainly, uh, we did not have any celebrity chefs back then. They were just good cooks. Uh, Dining was always a, a big part of Las Vegas, but nothing like it is today. It's it's just gone 
you know, to the next level. Uh, but that is a, definitely a new category that has been added. Another category that's been added is Sporting Las Vegas. And this is going to be all sports that are synonymous with Las Vegas, which would be boxing, uh, golf, uh, now NASCAR. And the Hall of Fame would obviously uh, recognize people in these areas. Tennis would be included. And uh, artifacts that are on display would obviously correlate with the people being inducted. So, I mean, you're thinking about people like tennis, like an Andre Agassi, or in boxing, maybe Ali, Frazier, that kind of thing? Yes, absolutely. Finally, it's time to visit again with our Las Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com. There's a lot of places around here, right, where you can get those kind of old meals that maybe the Rat Pack used to eat, you know, places where they have Sherry's Jubilee and Bananas Foster, you know, flaming desserts are hard to find these days. That's true. The Flaming Desserts, I, that was a great band, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's true. A, a lot of these places, like the Golden Steer, will do these table-side presentations that you really just can't find in the newer places. And there are guys in there that have been doing this stuff for f- literally 40 years and it's still very good quality, pretty good value. And I, I seek them out because I kind of like that old school vibe, that old school service. Another steakhouse is the one at Circus Circus where these guys have just been doing, and they mostly are guys uh, for whatever reason. That's Vegas. Uh, some inherent sexism, uh, but uh, for better or worse. And, but these guys have been doing this for, year, for decades. So, you know, you got one thing to do. You're going to do it the best, and they, I, I seek those places out. I think they are, they are gems in Las Vegas. Well, that's it for this weekend. Have a great Thanksgiving, everyone. I'm Stephen Maggi reminding you, Vegas never sleeps. We'll see you next week for more excitement and energy from the desert. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi.